Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. Hi everyone, this is Klaatu. You're listening to Commons and Chronicles. Apologies for last week. I did not put an episode out because I was moving to the South Island, which is a salient point to this episode because I'm here on the South Island as I record this, sitting in a rented flat with no central heating in negative 4 Celsius weather. Luckily, I have a wood-burning stove, which is a very specific kind of heating device. It is unique from a fireplace because it is designed specifically to generate heat and then distribute that heat throughout the space. So the cottage that I'm renting is a, oh, I don't know, three, four, maybe a four-room cottage, I guess you could say. It's got a lounge, then a little office, then a little bedroom, and then a kitchen. So I guess that's four rooms. Bathroom, obviously, but yeah. So the, the sort of the central space of the cottage is is there's, there's there are doorways but but it's more or less connected and these the wood burner is in the center of the cottage and and that's it that's that is your heating for for the cottage as it was built now i have more stuff coming through the uh, through through a moving company so i will have electric space heaters eventually but for now i'm i'm living in a space that was built hundred a hundred years ago or so um and and the the source of heat was is a, this this wood burning stove which is not a hundred years um old the the stove is new which is nice because it, it has a fan built into it so you build your fire and your your goal is to get as much heat and life out of the logs that you put into the wood burner as possible and there are lots of specific tricks to this that we're still learning about because um, I've never done this before, and my partner has been researching sort of the best way to maximize all of these resources. And the the theory right now is that you build the fire top down, so you put the your kindling and everything sort of on top of your logs. Which, if, if you've ever built a, a fire at a, at a camp or for a bonfire, none of this makes any sense, right? This this is not how you do it. You, you start the fire at the bottom of the pile, and it sort of burns and consumes things as it rises, and that's how fire works, right? Well, in this case, no. You, you put your kindling and stuff on top of the logs, and you start burning, and the fire sort of travels down your, your, your stack, and it does so as it basically decimates the thing under it. And so it... it turns it into well really just a fine ash i mean like at the end of a fire in this wood burning stove you you have the finest and most consistent ash you'll ever see um i've seen campfires i've seen bonfires and at the end of the the experience you've you've got charred wood in in the pit in the fire pit not here you have just the ash ideally sometimes you'll have bits of wood but that means you've done it wrong, because you've not maximized, you've not gotten all the possible heat out of that, uh, out of that object. 
Um, so reducing a big stack of logs and kindling down to a fine powder is a very, very surreal and strange thing to do, but you come to appreciate it very quickly when the when the weather drops to negative four Celsius. You start to to understand why this is an important principle to really truly get. Uh, the wood burner, as I said, has a fan built into it, so it once you once you get the the central portion of the wood burning stove hot enough, the fan clicks on and starts distributing all that heat out into the into the cottage. So that's what I'm up against, and why all of this matters is because today I wanted to talk about one of my favorite topics, the um, ice magic, winter magic. Specifically, from Cobalt Press, there's a publication. It's the, I think, the 19th in their series, apparently. I, I, I had no idea they had 19 of these things, but it's, it's within their series of deep magic releases, which I've, I've talked about some of the deep magic releases previously. I think I, I covered um, possibly rune, the, the deep rune magic, and probably something else. I'm not really sure what I, what, what I covered, but there have been a couple of things that I've talked about. I know that. But this one specifically is is ice magic, and I've I've talked or winter magic rather, and I've talked about other publications that have done ice themed magic before because it is something that I'm really uh, I'm quite fond of. But I want to talk specifically about winter magic right now because of my surroundings, my condition, uh, and also because this publication, this this release is really really outstanding it's funny because it's really only 12 11 pages long or something like that maybe even less after you account for for title pages and things like that but it just packs so much into it you'd be crazy not to get it if you're running a winter based campaign and not everyone is but i think it's a it's a fun setting i think that the icy wastelands of the north, whatever that may be in your world, is is it, it just makes for a a good setting because it, it it doesn't assume that just getting up in the morning and going on an adventure is that that act alone is a fight for your life. You don't just get up and go on an adventure. You have to get up and fight the cold and the and you have to see through the snow as you're walking, and you have to find the path through a blizzard, and so on. So I think setting an adventure there is is something that that puts your adventurers through through their paces. Now the beautiful thing about this release, Winter Magic, is that it it's kind of um, it's kind of everything you would need, I would think, for for a player's guide. It, it could be your player's guide for whatever setting you are throwing your players into, almost. Obviously, it's centered around magic. That's that's obvious. But, I mean, there are different elements to even that that I think would be worth sort of handing out to, to players so that, I mean, certainly your spellcasters would, would appreciate the the ice, the, the winter-themed spells, but there's other stuff in there as well. And one of the first things that you get to when you when you 
crack this open, is the Primal Path. The Primal Path in 5th edition is a barbarian uh, option. I, th I forget when you get to choose it, uh, and I don't have it on me. I don't have the player's handbook on me. But um, there, there are a couple of Primal Paths, and and I'd never really found one. I, I, I downloaded a couple that I was looking at to try to make sort of a shamanistic barbarian was my goal. And I wish I'd had this publication then because this is exactly what I was looking for. A Primal Path, The Blizzard's Heart. So you're a barbarian, obviously, sort of who's used to the winter, winter storms, and so on. And you get certain abilities uh, along this along this path. So at third level, for instance, you get to the Stinging Snow ability. And while you rage, snow swirls around you in your space. You can see through the snow to make melee attacks without penalty, but you have disadvantage on ranged attacks. For a barbarian, that's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Other creatures that rely on sight have disadvantage on ranged attacks against you, and you have a plus two AC against melee. That's at third third level. At sixth level, you get Omen of the Storms. Beginning at sixth level, you can cast Sleet Storm centered on yourself once. You are immune to the spell's effects. The save DC for the spell equals eight plus your proficiency plus your wisdom. You must finish a long rest before using it again. 10th level, you get Icy Blows. While raging, your melee attack weapon deals additional cold damage equal to your wisdom modifier. Now that's super cool. I love that one. And then at 14th level, you get Whirl of Ice. While raging, you can use your action to make a melee attack against any number of creatures within 5 feet of you. Make separate attack and damage rolls for each, targets, for each tar target. So that's very cool. You also get a Winter Domain for Clerics. And that's obviously really, really handy for 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 making your your cleric fit into into a, an icy setting, but it doesn't stop there. They also provide a warlock patron, the frozen one. Your patron is the embodiment of winter. This is typically a mask of Boreas, but powerful ice maidens, ice devils, and other creatures associated with the cold can serve as patrons. Your patron seeks to immerse the world in eternal winter, or bring about some similar fate. While you may not share this goal, you have sworn fealty to this being, and you act as its agent to spread winter wherever you roam. Now give me a break. If this is not the coolest thing I've ever read, I mean, you are basically Finris Wolf, or Eustace from the... from Narnia. Not that anyone wants to be Eustace, but I mean, come on, this is the best. And I guess after that, it's it's mostly. I mean, there's there's a couple of different things about about what a warlock can do, but I, I don't want to get into the the details here. This is worth worth purchasing if you're really curious about this stuff. It's it's absolutely worth looking at. They have a couple of different spell spell levels that they provide magic for. They go up to really fifth, but technically sixth. They've got some they've got a sixth level spell in there as well. They also have uh, a rune ritual. So in keeping with the cult of Ragnarok's scheme to persuade people of the Northlands about the approaching end times, this ritual deluges an area in sustained wintry weather. 
The weather kills livestock and unprepared people and buries the location under tons of snow and ice. Creatures with rune mastery, Hagalaz or Izaz, see deep magic to rune magic, learn the Fimbul Winter's Advent ritual as a rune mastery power at 11th level. And Fimbul Winter's Advent is a transmutation ritual, casting time for four hours, range is one mile, components verbal, somatic, and material, and listen to this material requirement, an animal from the target area killed with cold damage during the ritual, plus diamonds worth at least 500 gold points. Of course, they have to monetize it, but yeah, it's animal sacrifice. Duration up to seven days. This ritual calls upon one of Boreas's agents to inflict disastrous winter weather on a settlement for up to one week, Inscribing a circle of runes and sacrificing an animal from the settlement by freezing it to death within the circle creates a sympathetic link to the settlement in which the animal lived. A massive storm builds over the ritual site and moves toward the linked settlement. The caster can specify the amount of time to st the, the storm spins around the affected area. So pretty powerful, powerful stuff. And, and it, I love how it ties back into their rune magic book because that was definitely one of my one of my favorites. So talking about the some of the spells here, you've got your 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 typical sort of like first first level um here's a here's an obvious one because it's the first it's actually literally the first spell in the list as well. First level evocation for druids, rangers, sorcerers, warlocks and wizards. Duration concentration up to 1 minute. You target a it's called breathtaking wind. You target a creature with a blast of wintry air. That creature must make a successful con save or become unable to speak or cast spells with a vocal component for the duration of the spell. So that's kind of kind of cool actually. It's one of those things where the effect isn't maybe what you would immediately think uh, it would be. Um, and it kind of shows the versatility of ice or winter themed magic because a lot of times I think when when you're thinking of of winter magic or or ice-based magic sort of the only thing you can ever think of is is sort of okay well whatever part is affected by the spell becomes frozen that, that, that's that's ice magic right well yeah it is but but something simple like you make someone cold and it takes their breath away a little bit and they can't do anything with a verbal component i mean that's it's it's beautiful it's it's simple and and shows the versatility of this of of this theme without making it um without making it useless or cliche here's ice hammer second level conjuration for a cleric and ranger duration concentration up to 1 hour when you cast ice hammer a war hammer fashioned from ice appears in your hands this weapon functions as a standard warhammer in all ways, and it deals an additional 1d10 cold damage on a hit. So, as opposed to what I just read, the breathtaking cold, or breath, breathtaking wind, whatever it was called, um, this one is very cliche, and it's very sort of obvious and direct. It's, you, you suddenly have an ice hammer in your hand, and you do your normal damage plus 1d10 cold damage. And it depends on how you how you feel about that sort of thing and kind of how you want your magic to to appear in your world i think for me i think this is a little bit over the top i don't i i feel like i probably wouldn't use it unless 
I was using it purely for the mechanics of it, which, believe me, I'm not above that at all. So, but but thematically, it's a little bit much. Um, I, I tend I tend to find for some for whatever reason magic that just makes things appear in your hands for whatever reason. I feel like that's over the top. I don't know why, but for so, I get maybe I just haven't seen it in movies enough. But just suddenly for for you to be holding an ice hammer, um, that just to me that that never that doesn't really hit for me. That doesn't quite get there. But I do appreciate that additional 1d10 cold damage. I mean, absolutely, I I um I appreciate that. And I think in a video game, I would totally use this. I wouldn't have a problem with using an ice hammer in a video game. Um, it's just I guess the the idea of manifesting an entire hammer from nothing is just too much for me to imagine. Although freezing a town by killing a beast by freezing it to death in a rune circle for whatever reason that that totally seems to work for me here's a wintry glide fourth level conjuration for druids upon casting wintry glide you can travel via ice or snow within cross without crossing the intervening space if you are adjacent to a mass of ice or snow you can enter it by expending five feet of movement you can immediately exit from that mass of ice or snow at any point within 500 feet as part of the contiguous mass of ice or snow this is a little bit like shadow travel which i kind of talked about a little bit i think in the dreamlands episode because I, I i really felt like the cats of lovecraft essentially have this ability but for shadows and dark spaces and i i think in terms of default spells like really easy thematic spells i think this is this is a perfect one this is a great one your 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 winter based wizard really ought to be able to do this right step into a bank of snow and come out another bank of snow uh, or or rather the same bank of snow of uh, you know 50 feet away or something that's just a it's just one of those elemental magic magics that that any character with any elemental theme should have just as a a dryad ought to be able to step into a tree and then step out of another tree or a lovecraftian cat should be able to step into a shadow and then step outside uh, of a different shadow space it's just kind of a must-have and that's fortunate because they they do provide Skipping up to 6th level uh, spells, Transmutation. This is the only 6th, so this is the highest one. Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, Wizard. Concentration up to 1 hour. This spell invokes the deepest part of night on the winter solstice. You target a 40-foot radius, 60-foot high cylinder, centered on a point within a range, which is plunged into darkness and unbearable cold. All creatures in the area when you cast the spell and at the beginning of your turn must make a successful constitution saving throw or take 1d6 cold damage and gain one level of exhaustion. Creatures immune to cold are also immune to exhaustion, as are creatures uh, wearing cold weather gear or otherwise adapted to cold. As a bonus action, you can move the center of the effect 20 feet. So, on the surface, this obviously just kind of sounds like magical darkness, but it's got that added cold element, which, at the very beginning of reading some of these spells, I said, oh, isn't it cool that one of these has an unexpected effect? And in a weird way, I feel like this 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 is really, really kind of obvious. This is an obvious effect 
the the cold damage, but it's married with something that you uh, when you first start reading it, you think okay this is just magical darkness not not that big of a deal, but actually it's it's uh it's pretty good it's a forty foot radius of cold damage on anything that's not used to the cold, and it can move. Um, I like this one. This is very cool. And and I like the entire publication, and I think it's worth worth looking at. I think it cost me three ninety five or four ninety five, something like that. It's twelve pages. I don't know how that calculates. I don't know what the threshold is there, but for me, the the value was was clear because it it provides a really robust theme for a winter adventure, and and that's what I'm always looking for. I'm always trying to find that perfect winter setting to take the adventurers up north into the snow just because i enjoy that theme really that's that's all it is um now there is a quite a big adventure out there not published by cobalt press but by frog god games called the northland saga and i guess i'll have to talk about that at some point because in terms of winter content that's that's got quite a lot of it um, but but this is a good start. This is a if you're looking just as I say for more or less a player's uh, a player guide for a, a, a an adventure coming up that is going to be set in the wintry north or or wintry south, whatever a winter setting, then then this has got a lot of the the thematic elements that you're going to want to throw at your players to kind of get everyone on the same page in terms of abilities and just kind of like to get to know the world right that, that that there might be a god out there that's trying to envelop the whole world with with winter because hey why not um and and here are some of the the the, the kinds of magics that you might have heard of in stories or maybe you're learning as as a as a cleric or as a wizard or as a as a sorcerer or whatever uh, well i guess you wouldn't be learning it if you were a sorcerer but you know what i mean so uh, that's it's quite a good publication. Highly recommended. It, it's just a pleasure to read. Now I've already talked about the Genius Guide to Ice Magic in a previous episode, but what I will note here because it's worth noting is that there are no cantrips in the Cobalt Press publication. So they've got one through. Uh, six um, spells, as I said, with, with really only one six-level spell, uh, and so that so they 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 stop short. You know, there's no seven, eight, or nine, and there's no zero. So, if you want a cantrip, uh, the Genius Guide, Ice Magic is probably the the one to look to for for ideas there. Uh, and then if you need, yeah, if you want seven, eight, nine level spells, then you pretty much have to go with the Genius Guide. Um, would I get both? Absolutely, I would get both. The, together, these two things—it's uh, just they're perfect. I mean, they're—they're they're exactly what you would need, really. Um, I should probably also mention briefly that the Deep Magic Winter Magic is for Fifth Edition, and Genius Guide is for uh, Pathfinder 3.5. So there's maybe some minor conversion that you might feel that you have to do. I—I I don't bother to be honest. It seems to seems to work for me ice magic I've, I've i've given that to players in both fifth and 3.5 doesn't really affect things for me but but maybe you would want to convert it or something um it depends on on the 
the level of detail that you go into, I guess, on, on your calculations, but there's not a whole lot in the Genius Guide that, that actually requires conversion. If you if you read over it, you'll you'll pretty much I think unless you're a lot more strict than than certainly me, I think you'll probably find it fine. I mean like their cantrip for instance, create ice. Range close 25 feet, 5 feet per two levels. Uh, the spell generates a sheet of clear pure ice enough ice to generate one 5-foot square which is treated as difficult terrain. This ice melts after 1 hour and um that's it. So I mean that's that's very fifth edition. That's there's nothing in there that you would think oh that's that's completely overpowered or too detailed for fifth or some anything like that. So Genius Guide and Cobalt Press I think are two fantastic resources for your winter and ice themed campaign. You should look at them. In the future I will talk about the Northland Saga maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I have to go start a fire. So thanks for listening, I will talk to you next time. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as not Klaatu. I'm on the Freenode Network. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll talk to you next time.